Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Over the last eight years, our parenting expert, Jillian Cantor, has been coming on this program once a month to share with us what she learns from her kids. She first had one kid, then she had two, then three. Now, Jillian and her husband, David, have six children, Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. And every month, these kids teach Jillian and all of us something about our faith and our relationship to the Father, our Heavenly Father. And so, this week, we are happy to bring you, once again, some of our best What I Learned From My Kids with Jillian Cantor. These are from our 2018-2019 season. So take notes. You'll learn lots about listening, about using words, about waiting, and so many other useful lessons that kids are always struggling with and that we are also always struggling with as adults in our faith journey. And now it's time for What I Learned From My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? What have you learned from your kids this month? Well, um, in exciting news, Janie is 23 months old. Okay. And she is learning tons of new words. Uh huh. And one of the new words that she's learned just in time for Lent is the word that we should not be saying in Lent. Uh-oh. I'm just going to whisper it here so that it doesn't sound like I'm proclaiming it. Okay. But Janie can now say, Alleluia. Okay. And Janie doesn't just say it. She proclaims oh, it. Oh, very good. She sings it. <laughs> and there's really no, you don't know when or why it enters into her head. Or <laughs> There's no stopping it. So the other day, we're at church. <laughs> it's quiet. And she bellers it out, like she's actually trying to sing a song. And if she was awake right now, she's napping. I would have her say it, because it's very funny, um, the way she just stretches out the word. Alleluia! And it was starting to the point where we're shushing her, like, and then then this is really smart. I'm saying to her, Janie, you can't say that, it's Lent. Like, she's going (laughs) to understand what I'm talking about. (laughs) That's great. That's and so great. it's distracting the people around us, and they're turning around. Thankfully, they're laughing, and they're not like, that little girl knows nothing about the liturgical <laughs> seasons of the church. But everyone was pretty um, amused by it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the thing that it, it reminds me of is that um, even though it is Lent, and it is a time where we are supposed to be more solemn and contemplative, perhaps, and making those sacrifices, it's still, the reality is, the victory still has been won. Like, we can't forget that, mm-hmm. that in our, in our faith and in our church, you know, we know who comes out victorious. And in our day-to-day prayer life, uh, praise is still an important part mm-hmm. of that prayer. So while we might not want to shout out Alleluia, <laughs> like Janie does right now, we still need to remember that he is our an awesome God, and praise and praise and worship still needs to be part of our prayer. Mm-hmm. And then, funnily enough, um, I'm going through a, a Lenten journal. It's a daily journal um, and devotional. And um, as Janie is proclaiming her new word, one of the writings, one of the daily readings, 
says, um, what is it? We tend to think of this as a sober, solemn season. Indeed, the invitation to examine our lives, confess our sins, and return to God with fasting and sacrifice is a serious undertaking. But we cannot deny the undercurrent of joy that runs through the whole church year and our whole lives. We are called to be people of adoration mm-hmm. because ours is a God of goodness, love, and salvation. Mm-hmm. And so just those two things coinciding with one another was just um, the beautiful um, sparkling moment mm-hmm. <laughs> in my Lent. Um, yeah, it just, it really solidified that. Um, it is, I guess I'll back up a little bit. When, I, when we approach Lent and I talk to my kids about it and even just prepare for it myself, I tend to, it's all or nothing. It's not, it's like, we don't just give up pop or we don't just give up dessert. Or we don't just give up snacks. It's like, it's, it's all out. We're done. We're done. We're, we're not doing any of this. It's Lent. It's hard times. And then I'll look around and I'll be like, when I see that person is enjoying a pop, that looks refreshing. Wait, aren't they Catholic? What are they doing? Like, I just feel like when I see someone who's just, who's out just enjoying their normal day-to-day life, it's a bit shocking. Like, oh, what? How, can they still do that? It's Lent. Right. But I think it's because, I don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> I like... Just, like, I'm really embracing the mm-hmm. desert. We're in the desert. Yes. And poor Joseph, my oldest, he's given up his Pokemon cards for Lent, and it's proving to be very, very hard. challenging for mm-hmm. him. And I remember him uh, one day pouting and complaining and saying, Lent is so hard, I just want it to be Easter. <laughs> and as he was doing that, and, and, and also just, you know, not only does he not have Pokemon cards, but I'm not allowing him a snack or dessert, so... Hmm. Moi, Lent is really hard. You're tough. I know. It's really ridiculous. That's terrible. But this reminder comes up that, yes, it is Lent, and yes, we're called to sacrifice, and yes, we're called to to offer these things to, mm-hmm. to improve our, what? To improve our faith life, but also our relationship with others, mm-hmm. um, and to grow in our, our closeness with the Lord. Um, but remembering that praise and adoration and worship are also a part of that. So it can't just be doom and gloom because right. we're not, we can't as people, <laughs> that's not how we can live. It's really, it's a really difficult way to function. And I recognized that in Joseph's sadness yes. and moment. <laughs> in fact, it's a, it's a good, I mean, we get rid of the things that get in the way so that we can have more of a spirit of joy and adoration. Yeah, so thank yeah. God for Janie. Yes. Um, and thank God that's the word she learned and not other words. Yeah, and, exactly. And she's uh, learn a word. Yes. That's, that one's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that was fine. And it's not like we don't praise God during Easter at Mass. We just don't say the word hallelujah. We still say yeah, praise exactly. to you, Lord, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. Thank you and thank Janie for that uh, I will. When she gets important up from lesson. Nap, I will let her know that Deacon Pedro says thanks. And maybe for our Easter program, you can record her saying hallelujah so we can include yeah, that. We've been trying to get it, but she's um, oh, a she's bit sneaky. Side, so. All right. You just have to candid camera. Anyway, thank you very much, Jillian, and uh, happy Holy Week. Thank you very much. You too. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program Mothering Full of Grace, and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, and Jane. Hi, I'm Mark Matthews, your Hollywood undercover missionary, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. And now it's time for... What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's 
always nice to be here. It's always nice to have you because you always have such great insight that you've <laughs> learned from your wonderful children. So what did you learn this month? All right. Well, um, this one is uh, probably a little, well, it's unfamiliar territory for me. So it's kind of funny that I would even voyage into this okay. um, side of things. But I'll let you stop me and correct me <laughs> when you need to okay. start sounding completely wrong theologically. Yes. Um, so the thing that we are coming to, I think we knew this, but it, I mean, it's something that you don't always think about, and that is the, the idea that there is a spiritual battle going on for each and every one of us. Um, uh-huh. our souls. Um, when we consider God's personal, individual love for each of us, I think that is a concept that is really overwhelming. It maybe not so easy to understand that God made you, He has a plan for you, um, that you are loved by Him, that He's your best friend. These are the things that we're trying to pass on to our kids and teach them, but as those lessons come out of our mouths, I also am challenged by that, like, God can love me as an individual, me, Jillian Cantor, Mm -hmm. um, so much. Conversely, if we uh, you know, we believe that with great conviction, that God has that desire for our hearts, then we also need to recognize that the devil um, is trying to fight for our souls as well. Mm-hmm. Not because he loves us, but because he wants to destroy us. Yes. Um, so this is not a very <laughs> uplifting message. No, not at all. And it's, it's something that we don't, I don't think that lots of us want to think about, because really it's terrifying to imagine that somebody is out to get you. Yeah. Um, and it's that stuff that horror movies are made of, and you really don't want to enter into that, enter into that thought. No. Nor do you really want to share much of it no. with your kids. No. <laughs> it's really, I mean, it's something that adults have a hard time understanding and grasping. So yes. Children, I mean, they understand the concepts of good guys and bad guys just from <clears throat> the stories that they read um, and the games that they play, but this is well beyond that. But the mm-hmm. reason that it has come to top of mind is because we have been helping Henry um, as he prepares to receive his first Holy Communion. Okay. Um, Now, Henry is a very passionate fellow, and he has been from the very beginning of his life here with us. Um, He is a lover and a fighter, so his passion is expressed on both ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. He'll be the first one to hug you and love you and be really mushy and really cuddly, but he's also the one who can get the most angry right. um, and be the one to tell you that he doesn't like you. Yes. So he's, he, yeah, it's, um, it's a seesaw of emotions with him. So that's a bit challenging. Um, he's also the, our child who has told us um, that when he grows up, he would like to be a priest. Now, mm. kids tell you different things all the time about what they want to grow up and do, um, and some of it like astronaut or... Mm-hmm a ballerina doctor or um, our oldest has told us he's going to move in with our, with his cousins and own 57 hamsters. So that's just, there's always a wide <laughs> spectrum of what kids can imagine that they're going to do when they grow up. Um, but Henry has spoken about this for a long time and there's just something about the way that he says it and who he says it to and the confidence that he has when he says that, no, one day he'll be a priest that I think we take it a little more seriously than the 57 hamsters idea. Yes. Not that we are pushing I, it, but we're just, you know, if he says that, we're like, well, that would be really amazing, Henry, if one day you were a priest, and we'll see what God has planned for you and those sorts of 
phrases so that he knows, you know, we encourage him in whatever he, he chooses to do. So that's kind of all the backstory. <laughs> so as we're preparing for his first communion, we're also recognizing that <clears throat> Henry is really challenging us with his behavior, those passions that I spoke about. Um, but unfortunately, it was mostly the negative side of the passions. that he was mm-hmm. being basically incredibly naughty. <laughs> and it was really hard, not just on uh, us as parents to try to figure out how to deal with him, how to parent him, but also the whole family, because they were, everyone was the target of his rage and of his naughtiness and disobedience. Um, so it was just really challenging in these last few months. And I think part of us as parents kind of identified it maybe as a little bit of that spiritual warfare. Like, he's approaching his first communion, and, you know, this is a big thing, that he'll be able to receive the body of Christ. And, you know, if there's anything that the devil wants to fight against, it's got to be mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially a little boy who can speak so with such conviction that he wants to have this vocation toward the priesthood. So... I think part of us was also hoping that once we hit this first communion, we would be seeing a change in him, that we would, he would experience, you know, he'd receive Christ, and there would be more peace and joy, and his behavior would mm-hmm. change. So this last Saturday, we celebrated with him, received his first communion. He was really a happy, cheerful boy all day long, and it was just it was a beautiful experience. Um, and then the next day, <laughs> it was back to where he was before, all that naughtiness, and I think... You know, David and I both looked at each other with slumped shoulders like, oh my gosh, here we go again. No, I mean, receiving the body of Christ is not, um, it's not receiving magic. It's not going to, you know, erase all the bad things that we mm-hmm. don't want to deal with. And, and quite frankly, we're not expecting, we shouldn't just um, dismiss all this as, what's out of our hands? Spiritual warfare, what can we do? No, we realize we still have to parent him. He's still a child. You know, he could just be being naughty. Yes. Um, but we do also recognize that, with not just with him, but with all of our kids, we have to prepare them for this battle. Um, and again, not necessarily talking a lot about the devil and trying to scare them, but just giving them the tools um, and their armor so that they can... Um, fight for the mm-hmm. Lord and fight mm-hmm. for themselves and fight for their own spirituality. Yeah, so, I don't know. It's a big topic and it, maybe doesn't make a lot of sense. No, but it, it does. Just has opened our eyes um, to just the the battle that does exist. I mean, I mean let's even look at the consider the um, the prayer of Saint Michael the Archangel. Yes, and the phrasing there, and it's like, "Defend us this day in battle." Yes, wickedness, snares of the devil. Like those are the things that we have to realistically, you know, that exists. And mm-hmm. We need to armor ourselves and our children um, to fight in that battle yes, so that they can come out on the other side loving and knowing Jesus. Yes, absolutely. And that's a that's a good lesson for all of us because we're all in that battle. That's uh, It's heavy, but it's, it's important. Thank you. Congratulations to Henry on his first communion. <laughs> Sorry, this wasn't the most uplifting conversation. <laughs> it's good. It's a good topic, good topic for the Easter season. <laughs> All right. Good. Julian Cantor, Spiritual Warfare. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. Julian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program, Mothering Full of Grace, and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, and Jane. Hi, this is Mikey Needleman. Hi, I'm Adam. Hi, I'm Maury. And we're Out, Out of, of Darkness. Darkness. Hi, this is Lorraine Hess. 
Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Daniel Oberreiter, lead singer of the Catholic rock band, The Thirsting, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour. And you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. The Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. And now it's time for... What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Hello, thank you so much. Good to have you back. So what have you learned from your kids this month? All right, well, from all five of them at various times. Yes. I've heard quite a few excuses about a number of things. <laughs> so that's the lesson we're learning this mm, month. Is making no excuses? excuses? Oh, no more excuses. No, no, I'm not teaching people how to make <laughs> excuses. How to come up with good excuses. <laughs> no more excuses. Okay. And... Probably the, I don't know, is it funny, is it cute, is it shocking that the two-year-old has already started making excuses. Oh, no, that's horrible. She's probably the slowest eater in the entire world. Uh-huh. And so she'll just be sitting there staring off into space, and you can clearly see that she's not eating anything. So yeah. I put the food on the fork, and I hold it up to her mouth, and she looks at me kind of like she's surprised that I'm trying to feed her, and she says, I'm chewing She's not chewing. There's nothing in your mouth. <laughs> what are you chewing? She just doesn't want to eat. She's being lazy. So she tells us that she's chewing. She's starting to make excuses. Uh-huh. And so as we're trying to like, no, you're not. Please eat. What do you think I am? A nincompoop. I can see that you're not chewing. But the story still relates to me because when it comes to prayer time, I sit there pretending I'm chewing quite a bit. And I'm actually not doing anything. I tell myself, I'm just so busy. The days are so busy. I don't know where I'll put prayer time in. Morning time, I'm too tired. Night time, I'm too tired. Middle of the day, if there's any sort of problems with nap times or it's a PA day and the other kids are home, well, then that's not going to happen. But as I am thinking all these things, I'm scrolling through Facebook or looking at Instagram photos of people I do not know. (laughs) So I'm just sitting there pretending that I'm chewing, and those are my excuses. So... That was a really quick lesson. No more excuses. <laughs> Stop making excuses. Um, but it's something that I I tell the kids, and I've probably, I might have mentioned it before in one of um, our discussions, is that something that I'm trying to impress upon them is that our weakness is not our excuse, but it's our motivation. Yeah. So uh, whatever it is that we feel like we're not very good at or... You know, that's just our character trait. We can't just say, meh, that's how I'm made. This is my excuse. I can't do anything about it. Um, but instead, we have to use that as our motivating factor to get it, to change mm-hmm. something about ourselves um, so that we can try harder, do better, give more of an effort, any of the, any of the above. Yeah. Um, so when I look at what I think is my really busy schedule um, and my maybe my disorganization <laughs> in my day, I can't look at that weakness and just think, meh, that's the way it is, but that mm-hmm. I actually have to try, I have to put some effort into that. Yes. Um, and just, yeah, reorder some things and figure things out and not just sit there staring at Facebook because that's yeah. a whole other problem. <laughs> so no more excuses. Yeah, no more excuses. I love that. I love that. You just reminded me that someone not a month ago said to me, my resp- he asked me to do something and my response was, I don't have any time. And he said, you do have time. You just have different priorities. Yeah. And it's exactly what you're saying. That That's great. Um, mm-hmm. 
That's great. No more excuses, and and I know you're not chewing. So there. <laughs> you're not chewing. Yeah, I'm and if sorry, you are chewing, you. you've been chewing for way too long. Swallow. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave you with this little nugget from Clara, yeah. who was listening in on a conversation. I didn't even realize it. I was telling the boys a reason for why I was doing a particular thing, and I feel like I had explained it too many times. And uh-huh. so when they asked me yet again, I just said to them, because. And she was sitting over in the corner, coloring away, and all of a sudden I heard a little voice squeak out, because isn't that a reason? <laughs> like, where did you hear that? And, yeah, so it's, it's not a reason. That's not an excuse. You have to yeah. come up with something better than that. That's great. So there, that's from Clara, because mm-hmm. is not a reason. Because is not a reason. Thank you, Clara, and all your children, and uh, for teaching us this very valuable lesson um, that we all... Uh, that well needed to hear. Thank you. All right, Jillian. Get on with it. Get on with it. Great. And I know you're looking forward to a summer with your children at home. So I am, yes. That's great. Uh, enjoy that. And Thanks. we will see you, talk to you in the fall. Okay. Keep in touch. Yes, we will for sure. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program Mothering Full of Grace and of also the new documentary A Woman's Voice and she is the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara and Jane. I'm Sister Marie Paul Curley of the Daughters of St. Paul and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. And now it's time for what I Learned From My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. I am presently <laughs> chasing someone around the house trying to wipe her face. Trying to wipe her face lunch. after she ate, finished eating all the delicious baked home home baking that you did all morning, right? Are you going to hide? Okay. All right, I'll find you later. All right, they're going to play hide and seek. Let's oh, do this. Oh, great, so we can do this. <laughs> Um, what have you learned from your kids uh, this month? This month, well, uh, the lesson learned from my children is actually it's the lesson I'm learning from my sixth child, uh-huh. who we have not mentioned yet on this program. No, because... You to deliver any day now, and actually getting rather impatient about the whole thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, it would be nice if the lesson I learned was about not being so impatient, but it isn't. It's mm. more about... Um, not living your life out of fear, but joyful anticipation. Hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot to fear when you're making a person <laughs> inside of you, I find, because they're not visible. You can't see them. You don't know what's going on in there. And so with my personality type and my um, tendency to worry, there's just, you're just, I just always am worrying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to make sure everything's okay and um, surprisingly, I'm not a frantic patient, and my doctor likes me a lot. That's nice. I just keep all my worries to myself, where I tell David, and I become—I sound like a crazy person. But I found with this pregnancy, just because there are five other people running around and you're busy and just keeping on your toes with all these other adventures that you're going on with these kids, that there's not as much focus on the baby. Um, and so then every once in a while I'd sit down at the end of the day and be like, oh gosh, did I feel the baby kick today? Oh my hmm. gosh. I don't know. Did, was the baby moving enough? Is everything okay in there? And I would say uh, almost every time that thought passed through my brain, mm-hmm. the response would be and almost immediately a little nudge, a little kick, just a little, hey mom, I'm still here. That's okay. Don't worry about it. 
And so it just, I, I just felt, yeah, great relief. Like I could live in fear right now. I could just be always worried. But um, on the other side of this is a baby. And that's the, one of the most joyful things there could possibly be. And so instead of, and I say I'm trying, I'm not, it's not always a success, but I'm trying to live more in this idea of joyful anticipation of what is to come and that there's a baby um, and less out of fear. This is not a, like a, yeah, I, I think sometimes I, <clears throat> I tackle things as though everything is a project to get done. Yeah. And I have to stop every once in a while and realize this is not a project to be completed. This is a baby. This is a person. This is yeah. joyfulness, which really and truly um, in little baby form. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a challenge every day um, to rid yourself of that fear. Um, right now, my <laughs> major fear is, what am I going to do with all of my people as I go to the hospital to have a baby, and will there be enough time? The last two babies came so fast, and so yeah, just living in that, <laughs> that worry of making sure I don't deliver this child on the side of the road with all my other kids in the backseat of the van. That would be <laughs> terrible. Yeah. So, so if you could all pray for that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I would really appreciate that. Absolutely. Maybe even by the time this program airs, you will have baby number six on the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> no, please. Just hospital no, would be fine. It'll be great. Joseph, Joseph can drive, can't he? <laughs> Seventy-seven. Here's the thing I don't want to do is traumatize my other children. I just want to have this baby privately. Yeah. So, yeah. No, and you'll be fine. You're a pro. Um, love the the lesson about joyful because I thought you were going to talk about patience, but you didn't. You're talking about joyful anticipation, and that's a lesson for all of us, not just those that are about to give birth. Um, <laughs> and and the fact that parenting is not. Like you said, it's not a finished, like parenting is not about having a finished product, you no. know? Yeah. You're not thinking about, oh, I, oh, he graduated from university, got a job, off you go. Like parenting is about the journey. Mm-hmm. It's about the getting there. It's about the uh, the adventure. And I think you're right yeah. in the middle of that. That's great. And I think, um, too, joyful anticipation does not mean that you're just always looking forward and you're not, of course, living in that present right. moment. Yeah. But that it's, um, it just takes, when you're in that present moment, it takes the focus off fear mm-hmm. and anxiety and worry yes. and places something more godly in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a quote that I read recently, too, from Pope John the Twenty-Third. Mm-hmm. Let not, something like this, I'm paraphrasing, I think, but let not fear control you, but your dreams and your hopes. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And, I, and anything like that I kind of grasp onto because mm-hmm. I know fear is a thing with me. And I'll just also add... Um, if anyone has heard of Jennifer Fulweiler, I know yes. we were talking about her earlier. Um, she's a Catholic writer and radio host, but she also has um, uh, a website that has it's like a word generator or a saint generator. Okay. Um, for your, you can choose them whenever. But I think the the popular thing to do is at the beginning of the new year, instead of a resolution, you go to the saint generator and find your new saint for the year, Who, mm. what saint is adopting you or you're adopting. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do the same thing with this word generator. And it's not, I think she's trying to make it not so superstitious, like, here's your word. Right. This is your, this, but she says, approach it prayerfully and, you know, begin with a prayer, then get your word, and then see how that might apply to your life. Hmm. And my word for the beginning of 2018 was fearless which made me laugh, and then I kind of forgot about it. <laughs> um, but it was in kind of going through this pregnancy 
and looking back and journaling and stuff, I realized, oh my gosh, my word was fearless. And so it seems to be a theme for this entire year where I just kind of really need to work hmm. on that tendency towards worst case scenario or mm-hmm. worrying or anxiety and and just to embrace the idea of God's got this under control. Yes. I don't have to worry. I don't have to fear. I can yes. Be. So be not it's a good afraid. feeling when I can when that when things click and I can live in that moment <laughs> for a while. So Absolutely. And and uh, what a better opportunity then to giving birth, right? To be in the moment. <laughs> Thank you, Jillian. We're going to leave it there, but uh, I love that. And for people to, that want to go do the word generator or the saint generator, just look for Jennifer Fulweiler. Um, Joyful Anticipation with Jillian Cantor. <laughs> Next time we speak, you will have a six baby in the house. I hope so. In your arms. So <laughs> looking forward to that. Thank you so much. Thank you. There you have it, Jillian Cantor, our parenting expert. She's also the producer of the Salt and Light TV program, Mothering Full of Grace, and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and baby number six. Hi, everyone. This is Danielle Nunes. Hello, I'm Sean Garrison. Hi, I'm Rita West. Hi, this is John Finch. This is Steven. And I'm Rachel. We are the Mosley. This is Carlson Cooley. And you're listening to the Salt and Light and Hour. And you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour. Salt and Light Hour. And you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour. to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You're listening to the Salt and Light Radio Hour with Deacon Pedro. You're listening to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. This week, we are uh, featuring some of our best parenting segments with Jillian Cantor, What I Learned from My Kids from the 2018-2019 season. If you want to listen to more of these segments, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio and send me your comments. What have you learned from your kids? At Deacon Pedro GM. Now, Jillian will tell us a little bit about how God takes care of us. And now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. You've how been are you? you've been busy this m- month. I Yep, I have. I have a newborn baby in my arms right now. Yes. Hello, Leo. Welcome to the world. Yes. Thank you very much. So I am also bouncing up and down while I talk to you. So <laughs> it sounds like I'm jumping on a trampoline. I'm not. Just bouncing a baby. Okay. Good. Good. And he's asleep. So has he taught? Uh, no, has he taught not. you anything? Has he taught you anything? Or you've yes, learned something from your other children? Um, this is kind of maybe a collective lesson. Yeah. And maybe not so much even from my kids, but just a big flashing neon sign from God. Oh. So. Yes. So what I've been learning, and I guess it was through the birth of Leo, is that um, I can be assured that God is taking care of me, um, even though it may be in ways that I don't think, or maybe in ways that I didn't think were necessary or didn't want him to or that I hadn't controlled. Right. (laughs) So, So God is looking after me, and maybe in the ways that I wasn't expecting. Um, And how that came about was the very day that Leo was born. Um, 
I last radio program, if anyone remembers, I spoke to you about yes. trying not to worry about waiting yes. in joyful anticipation of what yes. is to come. Yes. So I wouldn't say these things were worries. I say say they were legitimate concerns. Some of my legitimate concerns were where are my children going to go while I'm in the hospital having right. another baby? Yes. How are they going to get there? And will it take so long to distribute my children places that I'll end up birthing a child on the side of the road? So those are my <laughs> legitimate concerns. Yes. Um, but as it turned out, on the day that Leo was born, I dropped my girls off at uh, my parents-in-law. I was just going for a routine checkup, my regular doctor's appointment, for okay. her to look at me for two minutes and say, everything is fine, you haven't had a baby yet, come back next week. Right. Um, but instead, while I was there, in all of my years of having this doctor and all the babies that I've had, I've never seen her with a look of concern. But that day was the first time ever that I saw her look worried. Her brow furrowed, and she just was not an expression I'd ever seen on her face before. She wasn't happy with the sound of the baby's heartbeat or lack thereof. She couldn't really hear him very well. Mm-hmm. And so she said to me, uh, I'm going to send you to the hospital for some tests. Mm-hmm. Now, I had left my girls at my parents-in-law saying, I'll be back in an hour. They had someplace else they needed to be, and I was... I, my appointments have never been very long, so I was very confident, I'll see you in an hour to pick up the girls, everything will be fine. Yeah. But instead, now I'm heading to the hospital to have some tests. Now, when I get to the hospital, they say, this shouldn't take long, about 20 minutes, and you'll be on your way. Okay. Hmm. Four hours later, I was still in the hospital, still attached to machines, and feeling very annoyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing was working out the way that they were supposed to that day. Um, I was stressing out a little bit about where my kids were. I couldn't get a hold of my parents-in-law. Their cell phones weren't on. And so it's just just doing the frantic mom worry and trying to control everything yes. kind of situation. So four hours later, these tests aren't still done. Then they uh, want me to have an ultrasound. And after that ultrasound, a nurse comes into the room and says, um, and now I'm going to walk you over to labor and delivery. You're not going home. Oh. And so... I mean, here I am in a hospital, they're taking care of me, everything is fine, but regardless, I burst into tears at that moment because it was just not what I had mm-hmm. planned for that day. So she allowed me to collect myself and send some texts and contact David and make yeah. sure that someone was going to pick my kids up from school and finally get a hold of my parents-in-law to look after the other little girls. And um, after all of that, I was finished, walk over to labor and delivery and... Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Three hours later, Leo was in our arms. And even though, like I said, I was annoyed at each of those steps. I was like, why can't I just go home? Why is nobody letting me eat lunch? Why is this taking so long? Who is looking after my kids? All those worries. Yeah. When I look back on it, I realized everything was taken care of. Mm-hmm. All those things I was worried about, my legitimate concerns from earlier about who's going to look after my kids, how are we going to get them there, how are we going to get to the hospital time, that all happened. Mm-hmm. Everything was taken care of. And it wasn't in the way that I wanted it to be. It wasn't the way that I had imagined the picture, the scenario I had created in my head. But it was done. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but more so, like, what I felt God was telling me through that experience, through that day, and also when I looked back at moments in my pregnancy, He was giving me more opportunities to rest than I would normally allow myself to. Because I was a busy mom of five kids, then now six, there's always something to do, always something to pick up, always Mm -hmm. a lesson to be taught, always Mm -hmm. some place to go. And so I don't often give myself those moments to sit down. But as I've been told from 
doctors. As a mom of an advanced maternal age, <laughs> yes, um, they had some concerns and extra tests and just things they were looking out for in me. And the result of that was I needed to rest. And mm-hmm. in the end, all those things turned out to be nothing. But what it allowed me to do, what it gave me permission to do, and that's a big deal for me, <laughs> was to just take those moments and sit down. Mm-hmm. and maybe mother from the couch more than I would have liked to. Mm-hmm. But in those ways, I could see God's love for me saying, just sit down, just rest. It's okay. It's going to be taken care of. And now that we've had baby Leo and these post days of birthing a child and just trying to figure out, again, how to look after a newborn baby while handling other kids, I've also experienced the most amount of care, I feel like, than I have in any other pregnancy. The most meals delivered, the most offers of help, the most concern from friends and family than I've ever had before. And it should be chaos around here, and sometimes it is, Mm -hmm. but not as much as I expected, (laughs) because I've just been so blessed with people loving me and God taking care of me. So it doesn't look like how I imagined, but it's definitely there. Um, yeah, and it's just giving me lots more moments to sit and stare at my baby, and that's exactly what I want. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm so glad that that's your lesson this month because that's such a hard lesson to trust. Because we, uh, you're, I'm like you. Like I know that I'm being taken care of, but I want to know how. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and yeah. God's like, you don't need to know. Yeah, so I, I can approve it. Yes, exactly. So I can prepare for the plan that you, how you're going to take care of me. He's like, no, just trust. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. So I hope that reaches some moms out there yes. who are rushing around, and especially during as we approach Advent and Christmas and busy, a busy, very busy season. Yes. To just rest and enjoy it, and you know, God might not do your Christmas shopping for you, but somehow it will all get done, and it will be way more enjoyable if you just take those moments to sit and stare at your babies. Amen. Sit and stare at your babies. <laughs> Don't feed them. They won't Just starve. Stare at them. Just stare at them. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need baths or cleanups. Okay. Well, that will ha- you do that too. Don't neglect your kids, but you know, stare at them. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you for that lesson. Uh, and uh, again, congratulations on the birth of Leo. Leo John Paul. Yes. He's pretty awesome. Very cool, and I look forward to meeting him in person. Mm-hmm. He's he says the same of you. Yes. Jillian Cantor, the producer of the Salt and Light TV program, Mothering Full of Grace, and the writer of A Woman's Voice, and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. I am Billy Chan. You are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. And now it's time for What I Learned From My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back. Thank you. Merry almost Christmas. Merry almost Christmas. Yes, you've learned something from your from your angels. From my angels. Your yes. Christmas angels. Yes. Advent has provided us with many opportunities to learn things. <laughs> the okay. lesson we'll focus on today is the fact that sometimes we are book learners, and sometimes hands-on experience ah. is just what we need, or maybe it's all that we can do. <laughs> yes. Um, I think. As I was preparing for this, I was thinking back to past Christmas episodes that I've done with you. And I may have mentioned, I may have not, anyway. Um, one of our traditions, one of the things that we try to do every year with the kids is travel the road to Bethlehem with Mary and Joseph through um, this 
that's a product that we purchased. It's called the Jesse Box. Yes. It's basically a nativity, but it comes with um, kind of like a scripture study or a guided lesson plan uh-huh. for things that you can talk about and prayers for your um, to say with your kids as you're gathered together. Right. Um, it's not a huge time commitment because it only they only um, really look at it every Sunday of Advent. So it seems like it should be something that's pretty simple to do. And in past years, it has been, and the kids have been excited about it. And this year, the same. They talk about it. They ask questions. When are we going to do the Advent box? Is it time for the Jesse box? Is it time for the Jesse box? When are we doing the Jesse box? Yeah. But inevitably, every time we sit down to do the Jesse box, mm. it turns into chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, yeah, it's just crazy. And I would like to say that it's just the little kids, and we can control it. But it's not. <laughs> the chaos is at the hands of the eight and the ten-year-olds. Yes. And I, <laughs> we can't figure out, like, come on, guys. You're excited. You're old you're enough. Please, yeah, exactly. Please sit down and let's just. This is the one thing that we're doing for Advent, and I think even that might be a little bit lame. Like, we're not really working that hard to prepare for the coming of Jesus, so please sit down. <laughs> yeah. But then I look at my own prayer life, and I realize <clears throat> I'm just as hyper and distracted, and my hyperness isn't that I am jumping on the couch, but that I can't sit still for more than two minutes without a new to-do list popping into my head or jumping up to finish something else or move on to a next task. There's been conversations I've been having with David, and in the middle of the conversation, I just turn and walk away because I, I thought of something <laughs> else I have to do. No. <clears throat> so they're not the only ones who are distracted. It certainly is me as well. Yeah. As well. <clears throat> Excuse me. But then I realized that one of the reasons for the distraction is this baby that I'm actually rocking in my arms right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe this year we're not so much book learners, with the guided lesson plans and the Advent journals, but we are um, hands-on learners with very practical experience as we gaze upon our baby. Um, and that's one of the things that I've brought to the, especially the boys, because they just feel like they're old enough to understand a bit more about personal prayer. We've talked about the way that we look at Leo and the way that we respond to our two-month-old baby um, is the way that we should approach the baby Jesus, mm-hmm. because they miss him. They miss Leo when they're away at school all day long. And when they come home, the first thing they want to do is hug him and hold him. They long for him. They yearn for him. Um, they want to kiss him and smooch him and hold him. And that same passion and that same desire that they have to meet with their baby brother should also be the way that we greet our baby Jesus. And it's, it is as um, has been discussed by many people many times, it's so amazing and awesome and wonderful that Jesus Christ came to us as a baby, um, and we get to witness his neediness as a, a child, as a baby, because he needed all those things that babies need. He needed holding and feeding and changing and loving and cuddling. And so we can use, I think, that example um, in our own approach to prayer, whether we're kids or whether we're grown-ups, the way that we approach um, Jesus as a baby should shape the way that we come to him in prayer. We should long for him. We should want to hug him and hold him and do all those things that we, we do with a baby, no matter at what stage or what imaginings we have of Jesus. When we pray, mm-hmm. it should be with that same passion mm-hmm. that we would love a baby. Yeah. So, so yeah, so we're not doing very well with our Desi <laughs> box or me with my Advent journal, but we are focusing on a baby, and we're loving on a baby, right? and I think it's broadening our experience and our understanding of Jesus as a baby, and that's, it's just really been, in that way, a beautiful and peaceful advent for us.
Amen. So, Good. I think, yeah, no, you're right. I think that with our spiritual life that the hands-on learning is always has to be part of the process. There's only so much we can learn by the book. Exactly. Um, yeah. And it's nice to have our kids remind us of that. Um, and I'm glad that you're enjoying this Advent and Christmas season with uh, baby Leo. That's, uh, yep. Babies are always a good reminder, <laughs> right? Um, thank you. Thank you, Jillian. And uh, Merry Christmas to you and the gang. Thank you very much. Same to you and yours. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program Mothering Full of Grace. She's the writer of A Woman's Voice, and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. Hi, I'm Sarah Kroger. Hi, this is Joe Zambone. Hi, this is Curtis Stephen with Spirit. Hi, Spirited this is Song. Father Rob Gallia. Hi, I'm Amanda Vernon. What's up? It's Joe Melendres. Hey, I'm Tori Harris. Hey, everybody, this is Luke Spihar. Hi, I'm Rebecca Rubion, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Salt and Light Hour. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour. You're listening to Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Now it's time for what I learned from my kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back. Thank you so much for happy, having me happy again. New Ye- I guess it's Happy New Year, but we're in Lent already, so yeah. uh, it's uh, been... Uh, My but, time with you really um, highlights the liturgical calendar. Yes, it's at. good, the seasons. Yeah. Seasons. So last time we heard from you, you had learned something Christmassy or Adventy yeah. from your kids. and Now let's learn something Lenty. Some, is it something Lenty? Um, I think it's something uh, ordinary timey. Okay. But you could apply it to Lent if you so choose. Yes. Yeah, it's a, it's an all-year-round lesson. Okay, tell us. What have you learned? Okay, so um, <clears throat> I tend to have different phrases that I I will fixate on, <laughs> I guess <laughs> is what my kids would probably say. I think it's called and nagging. The, yeah, maybe. <laughs> the current one is, it's always worth a conversation. And <laughs> okay. the reason that this one came to my mind, um, I probably heard it somewhere else, I'm quite sure I've never had an original thought in my <laughs> head the entire time I've been parenting. However, um, the uh, it's always worth a conversation came up um, when I just really got sick and tired of hearing them whining, complaining, fighting, right. throwing, moaning, any of those. Um, and so I just try, I myself am prone to respond with the same when they are behaving that way. If somebody's yelling, yes. I tend to yell back. When yes. somebody's moaning, I will moan too. Um, so really, it was encouragement for me. It's always worth a conversation. Just talk it through. Let's remain calm. Let's yes. just keep talking. Um, and just reminding the kids, too, like, if did you accomplish anything through moaning? Do you feel good when you lie down on the floor in temper tantrum? <laughs> Is, are you happy when you're yelling at your sister? Did that do anything? Yes. No? Okay, well, then let's try talking about it. It's worth a conversation. Um, to the point where now when I start saying it's always worth, they'll start, they'll finish for me, a conversation. <laughs> but it's true. It is very true. Things are um, better accomplished and the house is much more peaceful when we're just talking and there's not that yelling and there's not the fit throwing. Um, it was just, I mean, it just got to be too much. <laughs> yes. And, um, I, and I can see the Lenten connection because how often does Jillian moan and groan and throw temper tantrums <laughs> at God? Too many times. <laughs> Actually, with God in me, it's not even that it's a lot of temper tantruming. It's just that I haven't really established a solid prayer time since Leo has been born. So that's four months now mm-hmm. where it's just kind of been, I haven't had any um, consistency to sitting down and 
praying or reading scripture or journaling yeah. or any of those things. Yeah. Um, and so I remind myself too, it's always worth a conversation. And so it's more like we're conversing throughout the day, um, whether that's a good uh, a good thing is happening or a negative thing is happening. Like, yeah. uh, Lord Jesus, please help me. Or, um, you know, something good is going on. Thank you, Jesus. Just keeping that conversation yeah. flowing and even voicing questions. And and that's the thing the kids will hear too is that I mutter those things out loud a lot of the time, and so they're like, "Who are you talking to?" Mommy's going crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or we have uh, one night with the boys. I was going through their devotional, and it was we were just talking about that idea of um, you can always talk to God and ask for help. Um, you can turn that sigh or that frustration into a question or asking God for help. Excuse me. And Henry said, like when you say. Jesus, would you please help me? <laughs> um, yes, like that. So <laughs> it's always worth a conversation. I Just love keep it, it going, um, whether yes. it's with your kids so that you're not throwing a temper tantrum or whether it's with God so that you can just you know, keep that prayer going. Um, I mean, it's obviously not formal or maybe even very good, but as long as you're, he's always there, he's always on the line, you're always having a, a conversation, you're always talking, yeah. and I don't think you can go wrong, really. Yeah, no, that's very good advice, and you're right, it's advice for the whole year round, ordinary time, extraordinary time, but yeah. it is a good, <laughs> Lent is probably a good time to refocus our prayer time, our conversation time with with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love this idea of the, the, the always praying, always conversing, always talking, yeah. even yeah. if people are going to think you're crazy because you're talking out loud. Maybe yeah. not out and loud. A stay at home mom who is by yes. herself. I mean, she's got kids around yes. all the time, but there's not a lot of conversation. Yes. Um, it's nice to know. So you just even imagine that we are talking, that God is. Yes. Always little, listening yeah, and always respond and always responding. Yeah. Yeah, really for beautiful. sure. All right, very good. Good Lenten uh, advice from uh, Jillian's kids. <laughs> no whining or groaning or moaning. Thank yeah, you, Jillian. Yes, uh, we'll, I think we'll probably get to speak uh, before Easter, but I uh, hope okay. you have a good Lenten, good yeah. Lenten practice. Yes, you too. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program Mothering Full of Grace, the writer of A Woman's Voice, and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. Hi, I'm Emily Callen, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. And now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back. Thank you so much. How are you? Happy Easter. Good. Thank you. Yes. How are you enjoying your Easter days? Very nice. Very nice. Did you have lots of uh, chocolate Easter bunnies at your house? Um, yes, there have been some and lots consumed yes. by myself. Oh, good. Yeah. And Not I've shared some as well. Yeah. Don't let the kids eat chocolate. Yeah. No, that's bad for them. That's it. That's our lesson today. All the chocolates <laughs> are for mom. Yeah. Yeah. Did you learn something else from your kids? Yes, always. Um, today we're focusing on words. Okay. Um, the lesson, we'll give a title to it. The lesson today is sometimes the wrong words are actually the right words. Hmm. Um, and what got me thinking about this um, is listening to my second eldest, Henry, sing songs with totally the wrong lyrics. Yes. Um, and sometimes they sound better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the example, and I'm going to try to not sing it because I shouldn't sing uh, in the privacy of my own home, yes. let alone on the radio. On public radio, yes. So I'll just say it. And if you want to sing it, you can. <laughs> it's the... 
old-timey praise and worship song. Maybe it's not old-timey. It feels a bit old to me. Uh, Jesus, you are my best friend. Yes. You will always be. But Henry sings it, Jesus, you are my best friend. You belong with me. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, exactly. And so David was saying, uh, he said, have you heard Henry singing the song? And yeah, he said, maybe I should correct him. He said, but I kind of like it better the way he sings it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's when we think, like, yeah, sometimes the wrong words are the better words or they are the right words. Um, and then with regards to how that pertains to a life lesson. Yes. I was just thinking recently, um, we celebrated my mom's 75th birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, my family, my siblings and I were not the most expressive uh, bunch in terms of emotions, yes. whether that's verbally or physically, like we just keep it to ourselves. Yes. Stiff upper lip kind of people. Yes. Um, but for the my mom's 75th birthday, we put together a book of 75 things we love about mom. Um, and it was really a challenge to get everyone to contribute <laughs> their list of things that they love about mom. And so in particular, my brother, I had to send him a number of texts, and I knew I was getting to be very annoying, but I just finally said to him, you are never going to regret saying something nice to mom. So in this case, it's not about the wrong words. It's just about any words and how do we use them to either um, uplift someone mm-hmm. um, or just... To be brave with them, to say things that we might be uncomfortable saying. Maybe we feel them, but we just feel too shy, too embarrassed, too nervous to say. Right. And so I was just in that moment, in that situation, really trying to encourage my brother, like, this is not going to be something you'll regret. It's not going to be something that upsets mom. Like, you're saying something good about her. Yeah. Just say it. Use your words. Use your words. Um, and I find that in our day-to-day as well. Like, you never know what kind of day someone is having. And if you see them and you like, honor something about them or acknowledge something about them, and you don't just keep it in your head, but actually say it, like whatever the situation be, maybe a, a mom in a grocery store and she's, you know, she just looks like she's either having a great day with her kids or she's having a rough day with her kids. Doesn't matter. You have seen it. You've observed it. Now acknowledge it and say something like, "Hi, you look like you're having a nice time," or um, <laughs> "Hang in there," whatever this thing yeah. might be. It just means so much to that person. Or maybe it doesn't, but in the end, you've given it to them. You yes. offered that little bit of yourself. You've True. given them those words. They can do with it what they will, but hopefully what you've done is really changed the course of someone's day, where they might have been having a bad day, and that one little comment is now the good thing that they're going to hang on to, or whatever it is. But just don't be afraid to use your words. They might, they, yeah, they'll never be the, it'll never be the wrong thing. I right. Think. Yes. If that makes sense. It does. And <laughs> but words, we tend to hang on to our words and it's we wait true. when we want to perfect them and make them just absolutely 100% right before we dare say something. Right. But sometimes they don't need to be no. that perfect. They yes. just need to be said. Yes. So. And you're right. And words have such an amazing power to build yeah. up or uplift or yeah. give hope. So that's the les- lesson right there. And the, the other lesson is that Jesus belongs with me or with Henry. <laughs> you are my best friend. Yes, absolutely. Forget you, everyone else. You belong with to me. To me, yes. <laughs> Jesus loves everyone, but he belongs to me. With Henry. Yeah. With Henry. Well, thank Great you, Henry, for that lesson. Thank you, Jill. <laughs> and uh, Yes, and happy Mother's Day. Thanks so much. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Sultan Light TV program Mothering Full of Grace. She's the writer of A Woman's Voice, and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo.
That brings us to the end of this special parenting 2019 edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Today's segments were a compilation of some of the best What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor from our 2018-2019 season. To comment on what you heard or to share your own stories of what you learned from your kids, find me on Facebook or send me a message on Twitter at DeaconPedroGM. To listen to more of these segments, visit our website saltandlighttv.org radio. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour.